scripture to proper belief, God still is God. Okay? And there's that movie that went out here recently, God, God is not what? Dead. We don't serve a dead God. Amen? Amen? That's what sets us aside from everybody else in the world, that our God is alive. That's right. Yeah. Oh, come on, somebody. You ought to be excited about that. You don't have to go to a rock and hope it hears you. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You're talking about the God of heaven and earth, the one who's alive, who's here in spirit. Amen? Amen? Amen. And as children of God, the spirit of God lives within us. And I, I, I'm so you know, excited about what the Apostle Paul had told the people at Athens Hill. They're, they're way, way back yonder. How long ago? About 2,000 years ago. He said, as your poets have said, that by him we live and move and have our what? Our being. That means God is alive. Amen. And everything that exists is because of him. And that's right. Oh, no. And... Need not remind you, and this is not my sermon, I just want to wake you up this morning. <laughs> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Oh, come on, somebody. God is worthy of it. Amen? Amen. And if you kind of leapfrog a little bit down in that same chapter, you'll find out that nothing came into existence without him. Amen. 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 And that same God, his name is Jesus. Oh, don't be bashful now, because before you and I got saved, we used to call a lot of names out there. Amen. And some of them still do. I know some of y'all were Tim Tebow fans, and when he was running that touchdown, nobody can keep you quiet. <laughs> I tell you, Jesus is still on the throne. We ought to be shouting his name from the mountaintop. Amen? Amen. And so this morning, uh, the Lord God loves when his children comes together. It's just an amazing thing because all the angels of heaven are ready to shout to the Lord when one sinner repents. And I'm not calling you all sinners. That's between you and God. Amen? But what I do want you to know that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost is pleased to be in your presence today. Come on, somebody. And let me tell you, it doesn't get any better than that. The union between God and us was a union that was planned long, long ago. God had determined that you and I would be his sons and daughters. And, and you know, what's so amazing, and, and this is the lead into our message today. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and that's where we're coming from. Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3 today. And as we look at that, we're going to see the heart of God that is so amazing, so magnificent, that before anything that was created down here ever came into existence, the Father had a classic meeting in heaven. And let me tell you, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost knew exactly what they were going to do with you and I. Amen? They knew the obstacles that we would be facing. They knew our downfall, but they also knew our rising up. Because Jesus, the Son of God, would have to come and rise us up. He would raise us up into a glorious church. A church in which he's going to come back for without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. I don't know what kind of other churches are 
out there, but I know the true church of Jesus Christ, washed in the blood of the Lamb, is a church that God is pleased with. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's a church that God looks down on and say, those are my sons and my daughters, and at the right time, God is going to say to us, son, go get my children. Amen. Come on, y'all. That's enough to make hell want to shout hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so today, we're going to look at an age-old question, a question that should have been answered in our hearts long, long ago. And people throughout the ages have answered this question in part. But there's another dimension to this question. And the question is, right before we go to prayer, is why did Satan come here? Why did he come to the earth? Why did he attack humanity in the way in which he did? It's important for us to examine this today because as the Holy Ghost unfolds and reveals to our mind's eye the things that God wants us to see about this, I believe you will appreciate God and Lord Jesus even the more. Okay? Because what the Father did by His Son is so magnificent that scientists are still baffled. That's right. Amen? And we got a young science mind sitting back there, and he still can't figure it out. Amen, Kyle? <laughs> and to God be the glory. And so, with every head bowed, we're going to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to do something so terrific. We're going to ask his presence with us, and it already is. Because I guarantee you, everyone who named the name of Jesus, who's been born again, came with the Spirit of Christ in them into this place today. Amen. And therefore, as God's children come together, Jesus had made a promise long, long ago, where two or three are gathered in his what? Name. There he will be where? Among us. Among us, in the midst of us, amen? And look around you, some of you can count higher than three, amen? And look, look, there are more than three of us here. So that means he is here, here. Amen? amen? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord God, we have to continue to say what the prophet Isaiah said to the nation of Israel. You are God and God alone. And besides you, there is no other God. And Father, we, our very lives hang on this truth. And that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, into the world to be one of us. And not only to be one of us, Father, but to die for us. And to show all creation that he is, in fact, your son. You raised him from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we're so glad that you highly exalted him. By giving him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to your glory. And Lord, by your spirit, these things are testified to men. And Lord, we're asking now that as I decrease here this morning, you by your spirit, by your voice, by your living word, will speak to the hearts and minds of your children that are here. And Lord, let every yoke that's upon your people be broken in the name of Jesus. And that the Holy Spirit will anoint and move 
all filth from their lives and that they will cry out to Jesus, what must I do, do to be saved? They will scream and shout and hold close to him with the very dear life strength that they have within them. And so, Lord, we're asking that you have your way now. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. amen and amen. See, I'm already getting excited because I'm dropping my mic all over the place. <laughs> I didn't wear a jacket because it's a little warm today. But I want you to turn with me in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and then we're going to leapfrog over to Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. And I want you to think about this, this, this question. Why did Satan come here? Okay, no, no answer, babies. And God is going to raise you up to preach it, but not yet. And so, understand, in verse 25, God had already completely created everything on the earth. Everything in the universe is in its proper place. As King David would write in Psalms 33, verse 6, he said, By the breath of the Almighty, the host of heaven came what? Forth. That means faster than the speed of light, heaven was created by the very word of God. And now everything is done. Only thing that is lacked upon the earth and in the universe is you and I. And unlike all the other parts of creation, God did something special. And it parallels what will happen thousands of years into the future. And that is, as God will have a meeting to give life for the very first time by creating a human race, God will give life a second time to the human race with his son on the cross. Amen. Oh, come on. You have to. Do you see the parallelism there? Okay, God meant for you and I to be here, but I also knew the damage that would be done in the middle. Okay, and so in this meeting, what did God say at the own start here in verse 26? He said, let us, let us, let us. That means somebody in heaven was there besides him. And God had invited them to be a part of this meeting. And he included them and said, look, this is what I'm going to do. I want creation of man to be just like us. Ooh, boy, I imagine that crowd up there got happy. And it could have been restricted just to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But one thing that creation account does not give us in the Word of God, well, actually a couple of things are right off the bat. It doesn't tell us the day God created the earth, and it doesn't tell us when God created angels. Amen? Amen. I would take on the greatest theologians in history on that one. Okay, not that I know more than anyone. I'm simply going by the word of God. Now, in my heart of hearts, I know that God was talking to his son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, boys and girls, just in case you don't know this part, Jesus was not Jesus when he was in heaven before he came here as a human. Uh-oh, that got some folks thinking. Because John tells us what he was. 
John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was? And the word? Hello. <laughs> he, was the, he was the one in charge. Amen? Amen. And so he has this great divine council meeting in heaven. And he determined that this new species upon the earth would be greater than all other species. And that this species would do things that all the other species would not have to do. Now listen, listen carefully. Did you know that during this meeting, God being who he is, know the beginning and the end all at the same time as Isaiah would tell us. Look, look at this. God knew that the serpent would come. God knew that the temptation would be greater in which man could handle. God also knew that man would give in to that temptation, even though he had something in his hand greater than any other creature on earth had. What was that? Dominion. Another fancy word for what? Lordship. So, and God knew that man had to be what? Restored. Because God doesn't make a mistake. Amen. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you coming with me now? Uh huh. If God would allow man to stay in that state, it would have meant that God made a mistake. He messed up somewhere in the design. God don't make mistakes. He's too wise for that. And so, as he is laying this out. And everybody has an intricate part in this. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And I can imagine God saying to the Son on that day, you are going to have to become one of them. Yep. Hello. Yep. And the Son graciously said, I know, because the mind of the Father is also the mind of the Hello, we're tracking now. And can you imagine also that he says to his son, he said, now, you know that you're going to have to die for them. Now, at this point, human son would have said, whoa, dad, uh, I, I, I'm with you on the creating them part. But, but, but dying? <laughs> Can you pick Gabriel? Come over here. <laughs> I better yet get, get Michael. He'll do anything. <laughs> so, no, that's not the way it happened. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all got a little humor today, don't you? <laughs> now, now, think about this. Not only does the father make this decision in unison with the son and with the Holy Ghost, but he turned to the Holy Spirit, not leaving him out. He said, not only are you going to breathe on them and give them the breath of life, but you are going to have to raise him from the dead. Oh, boy. So you see, everybody, unlike human minds, we don't get the big picture. We get the little intricate parts that come together throughout the ages. The Holy Ghost gives us those parts and we see the picture better. The Apostle Paul would later write, he said, now we see things as looking through what? 
a glass that is dim. Yeah. It has not clearly been made known to us what exactly God has in store for us. But the Spirit knows. All right? However, before God even came down and put all this plan to, into action, something in heaven was taking place. That was a, 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 a decoup being planned by the high angel of God who had gotten to a third of the sons of God called the stars or the angels of God and had rallied them and lied to them and murdered them. Oh, whoa, 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 now. Jesus told you and I in his statement to the Jews in John chapter 8 that Satan is the father of what? Lies. Why? He said, for he lied from the beginning. Now you see how the pieces are coming together. Who did he lie to first? That third of the heavenly host. Come with me and you can be great. I'll make you great. You don't have to do what he has to say anymore. <laughs> Buddy, you barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And so, there, unknowing to any human, because no human was created at this time. A conspiracy above all conspiracies was taking place. And that was to fight against the living God and try to take his throne. And let me tell you something. How is it possible for the creation to outpower its creator? It just don't come together. It didn't even make sense. But to the evil one, it did. And so he got his butt kicked out of heaven. Hello, I'm just being frank. Okay? But at this council meeting, God knew that this fallen angel would be seeking revenge. God knew that. God knew that this fallen angel will come down and not only to subvert, but to pervert the human race. The one in which God cherished so much among all the species. Mm -hmm. And newsflash, just in case y'all missed it in your science class, God didn't tell the monkey, let us make you in our image. <laughs> I, I thought I'd just clarify that one. <laughs> and neither did God say you're going to evolve. And then maybe a, a few thousand years later, you may look like a human. Okay? So God has a plan. Jesus has a plan. The Holy Ghost has a plan. And so now we're going to see how this plan is going to unfold. And how an enemy will come in and abruptly try to interrupt the plan of God. Okay? Now, let's just take a look at how God kind of sums it up 
and what we call a, 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 a thesis statement to the world about the human race, what God had in mind for you and I. And that thesis statement is written right here in the same text in which we're talking about. Y'all didn't know that all this was written in there, did you? <laughs> a little bit of Simon Nelson animation, okay? <laughs> look, 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 look. As we read the scriptures very carefully, and we don't want to take from the word of God, it's too, too critical to human life and too sacred to God to mess around with. Listen what the word of God says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our what? Likeness. likeness. Now, no, no, no. That word image can be translated as icon. And in fact, in the Septuagint, that's exactly what it is. And in likeness, you got two things there that you kind of grapple with a little bit. Does God look like Kyle? Oh, Lord, help him. Okay. Does God look like me? Oh, no. Impossible. But what about Mr. David? Is God in the likeness of Mr. David? Because he's walking crippled this morning. No. But what God is, God is spirit. What God is, God is holy. Hello. What God is, God is love. And he's full of compassion and he's full of mercy and grace. Amen. And, and James said, and he's slow to what? Anger. And slow to speak. In other words, he doesn't judge swiftly. And so as we see this unfolding about the character and heart of God here is that he said, I want a people that's going to be just like me in character. God help us if God looked down on the earth and they all look like Vernon. Okay. He gave us all individuality, but he gave us all his heart. Are you following me here? And so as we look at this, now, 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 he said, now, let's make man in our image and in our likeness. And what else did he tell us? He said, and let them have what? Dominion. Dominion. Let them have lordship. Let them have control. Okay? Let them be in what? Charge. Of what? The stars and the moon, the sun? No, that's outside of their sphere. Okay, what did he tell them to be in charge of? He told them to be in charge of all the fish of the sea. That means every last one of them, from that little minnow all the way to that big old blue whale. Every bit of it. God said, you in charge of it. Okay, what else did he tell you and I? The birds of the air. That go from that little sparrow or that little hummingbird that y'all like, oh, it's so cute. God said, that's your, you in charge of it. All the way to that big old nasty vulture that lands on that water tank down there. God said, yeah, you got him too. Okay? And somebody said, boy, that looks just like my husband. Now, don't go there. All right? Now, look, look, look. What else? What does he say happened here? Cattle? What else? Over all the what? Earth. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just stop there. God, can you stop the earth and spin it just a moment? We need some understanding here because something happened in this translation, Lord God, with Adam. And he, something went wrong here in the understanding because he said dominion over all the what? 
All to me mean inclusive, not exclusive. Am I right, Kyle? Can I use that kind of English? And that, and that tells you and I that when that invader came down to the earth, he had no control here. I don't care if he's angelic or not, he did not have control. God gave it to who? Us. And that is huge. Do you understand what was forfeited here? Do you understand what we gave away? Do you understand that the enemy of God did, ha did not have this kind of dominion? Satan wasn't in charge of anything. Folks, he had been ejected and rejected by God because his britches got too big. And every little cute thing in here and every handsome thing in here, God had given us dominion. So why in the world would we want to give up that kind of control to a demon? You do every day of your life. And let me tell you, Jesus Christ, the son of God, did not die on the cross for you to give your dominion to the devil. Amen. Stop crying and hollering, woe me. And saying, devil, God, by Jesus Christ, reinstated the dominion back into my hand. And in the name of Jesus, get out of here now. Uh-oh. And so, listen, this is incredibly important. When the Son of God raised from the dead, when he rose up, he gave you, by the Holy Ghost, that power back. Are you understanding me? He gave you that power back so that unseen forces that harass you and I every day, day in and day out, you can tell him, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Are y'all seeing this? Do you understand what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost had given us on that day? And we had not yet been created. He had a big old package there for us. Because when he said have dominion, he meant it, Shelly. He didn't meant for any mother or any father to be weak back. I don't care how big the silver back is coming your way. You have dominion in Jesus' name. Amen. And you have, go ahead and give him some glory if you got to do it by yourself. Yeah. Huh? That means this mother back here has got to be able to see in the spirit world where her battles are. And in the name of Jesus, say, by the blood of Jesus, I'm exercising my dominion that God has given me. And the same thing that Isaiah would say, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. At the end of that, he said, why? Because this is the heritage of the Lord. That means God said, these are my babies, and this is what I've given them. All right. Are y'all understanding this now? Yeah, oh, y'all thought it was just going to be another message about the fall, huh? Uh-huh, it is. But not your way. <laughs> And so as we see this, God gave man something so unique and he did not give this power to a monkey or chimpanzee. Amen. And as you go on, 
It says that he made them what? He created in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and what? I, I, I just got to say it. I can't help it. He didn't give it to Steve and Steve. And Sally and Sue. He gave it to who? Male and female. Hello, somebody. He just set that record straight, didn't he? Okay. So even before he created us, he had determined that we would be male and Female. He coupled us himself. And then he goes on to tell you and I, then God did what? He said, then God blessed them. Folks, you hadn't even been created yet. And God gave you a blessing. Jesus Christ, the son of God, when he rose from the dead, reinstated the blessing. And we don't even know it. And I'm here to tell you now that the blessings of God has been restored to the human race by the son of God. Jesus Christ is the center person of all creation. And so he told them to go and do what now? Be fruitful. Folks, that doesn't mean you sit in your house and you pout and you wait for somebody to give you something. God has given you power to get up and to be productive and to be fruitful with your life. Stop feeling sorry for yourselves. My mama had 10 kids and we had no daddy in the home and we were raised on them yellow grits and welfare cheese and eggs. Okay? And guess what now? What did it say, sweetie? And whatever else that God put on the table and look here, instead of feeling sorry for yourself, you allow the spirit to elevate you. You give God the glory. Yes, he may let hard times to come to you, but hard times don't determine who you are in Christ Jesus. You get up, dust yourself off, and shout hallelujah, glory to God. And Father, what is the next step? When you go on with your life, Stop crying out, woe is me, because you're playing into the enemy's hand. And you're not using the God exercise rights that he's given you by his son, Jesus. You are God's inheritance. And that means everything that Jesus has, you have. That's why Paul would write to the church in Ephesus. He said that we are rich. Where? In heavenly places. With Christ Jesus. Why? Because we're seated there with him. And he said not only are we heirs, but we are joint heirs with Christ. That means God graciously gave you and I what he gave his son. Amen. And you know what? The son is not jealous either. He wants you to have it all. Because he told us at the end of John 10, 10, there he said that he came to give life and life more what? Abundantly. Folks, 
I'm not preaching prosperity there. I'm preaching Jesus. Abundant life is in the Son of God and the Son of God only. And when you trust him with your life, Jesus will take you places that you've never been before. Amen? Amen. This is a living reality. And, and, and I want to charge you with something that David did long ago in Psalms 34. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Uh-oh, somebody been reading the Bible. Okay? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm here to tell you he's mm, mm, good. Okay? And so you keep it up. Instead of your wife putting Campbell's soup on the table, you know that you say, mm, good. You say, put Jesus, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> they missed that one. All right. That is the introduction statement to the sermon. <laughs> People, God is something else. God is so awesome that the human mind cannot even phantom how great God is. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is so awesome, we can't even phantom how great He is. Because the Bible tells you and I in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, that the Spirit is the only one that know how great they are. Why? Because he knows the mind of God and he knows the mind of Christ. And it's by the Spirit in which these things are revealed to you and I. That's why in the previous verse, Paul said, Know what no ear has heard, and no eye has what? Seen. And it has not entered into the heart of what? Man, what God has in store for those who what? Love him. Hello, somebody. Do you know what that means? That means God just opened up the gates of heaven to you. Said, come on in. But you know what? Those gates were opened by the blood of Jesus. Don't miss that. Those gates were opened by the blood of Jesus. And let me tell you something else, just in case you didn't know it, that the gate is also Jesus. Hello. Jesus said, I am the door. Go to John chapter 10 and you'll see that. Okay. And he tells you and I through the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, he says that he inaugurated a new way into God by his own body. Fulfilling what he had said earlier. I'm the way, the truth, and uh, no one comes to the Father. Oh, you know it. That means Jesus is the gate of heaven and you are not getting in unless you come through him. Are you understanding this now? And so back to the text because it's all together. Okay? So we see the Father in in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Just look over there for a moment. All right? Well, what's taking place on the earth now? Hello, somebody. What's happening on the earth right now is that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost just showed up. They are no longer speaking the word from heaven and creation is unfolding. They are now on the earth. 
Hello. Uh, do you see that? Yes. Yes. Y'all didn't think about that, did you? God is no longer standing back speaking. Now God is doing something, Christina. God is doing something with his precious hands. God is literally getting his hands dirty. Yep. Are you hearing me? Look, look, look at the text. And the Lord God did what? Farm man of the dust of the uh-oh, God is down in the dirt. And who would ever know that dirt would look so pretty? Look in your mirror. Okay? God took that dirt, okay? And he made it into something marvelous, as David would say. I know that I'm somebody, okay? Why did David say, I know I'm somebody? He said, because I am fearfully and marvelously, what? Made, and my soul knows it, what? Right well. Yeah. He said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make any, what? Junk. <laughs> and so we see this happening here. But what is taking place in the background, somewhere back there, is the enemy of God is watching. Notice he's not getting near of God's sacred creation. Hello. Not yet. Look, look, look. He, he dare not walk up to the Almighty and say, what you doing? <laughs> Uh-oh. Let's let the Holy Spirit unfold this thing. And it said, and, and, and breathe the devil didn't say, I, I, don't do that. He didn't say that to God as, as God had made what we would have called today uh, just a bunch of dirt, a, a lump of clay laying there, okay? And then, can you imagine? I don't know if the Almighty put his mouth on the dirt. Oh, he just threw it back and did what? Breathe. Either what happened, Christina, you were nothing but dirt. And God took and he breathed. He breathed into you. He breathed into you and me and every other human that come up on this earth. God breathed the breath of life into us by way of Adam. Okay? <clears throat> Something that God didn't do with all the other species. Are you hearing me? So not only did God have a great meeting in heaven about you and I, but God now has hands on. See, I just touch it. Tell my wife, don't get jealous because you're gorgeous. I <laughs> understand now what is taking place. All the angels of heaven are observing this. And they've never seen anything look like you, Kyle. <laughs> and they, they are watching this unfold. Okay? Those mighty warriors of God, they are watching. That means they're alert. Because there's one third of their former colleagues are out there want to cause destruction. But the rest of the heavenly hosts are standing what? Watch. Why the Almighty is at work. Not that he needed them. Because all he has to do is speak a word and they're done well. Amen? Amen? And so as we see this happen, 
And it breathed the breath. Because he breathed into his nostrils the breath of what? Uh, uh, need I remind you, again, this is another parallelism. Because the day that Jesus would send the Holy Ghost, a few days prior to that, he did something to those disciples in the upper room. Do you remember what that was? The word of God tells you and I that he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. You see the parallelism? He's saying, receive the spirit of life. And it's the same thing that Paul will call it in Romans chapter 8. The spirit of life. So that dirt was just dirt until the spirit of life entered it. And then all of a sudden, Christian, all of a sudden, dirt became a living being. How in the world can you turn grains of sand into living cells? God can't. That just doesn't happen. You know what hot heat does with sand? It makes glass. So you go tell the Big Bang Theory, and it's not a bunch of glass walking around on the earth. <laughs> Are you hearing me? It's a bunch of living beings made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. Y'all should be on your toes shouting and dancing and, and doing everything else, giving God some glory right about now. However, let's jump on down. Verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden, or you can, the, the word there is paradisa, where, where we get the English word. Oh, somebody know. Oh, I love him. He's just been studying. He's been a good student. <laughs> Eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had what? Farm. Farm. Folks, we, done, we were not meant to live in a grass house or hut or cardboard box. Hello. We come from paradise. And just as Jesus restored us to life, he's also restoring paradise. In each are y'all understanding this? Yes. Yes. So, if you was part of this army that's called the adversary, the Greek word is anti-dekakos, which means anti-righteous. Are you hearing me? If you're part of that army, round about now, you will be jealous because you wasn't given a paradise. You just got your butt whipped and kicked out of heaven. So God did something so amazing. But he does something else here with the man. You know what he does with our father Adam? He tells Adam, look here. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the Right. Now I want y'all to know now that the say that, that the enemy Satan was the one that told Eve, you know, it's pleasant to the sight. 
But when y'all read that, y'all thought that, didn't it? Oh, he made it appealing to her. Uh-uh, that's a lie. God made it appealing from the beginning. The enemy just reminded her what God had given. Hello. And so we see here, pleasant to the sight and good for what? Good for food. That means, honor that you didn't have to go around the farmer's market trying to get the best fruit there is. Amen. God already had it at your, you know, hands reach at your exposure or whatever word you want to use here today. God made it available for you. Now, as we continue on to look at this. That the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. Well, what does that mean? Folks, that is another metaphor that God had placed Jesus in the garden. Jesus is the tree of life. Life begins with Jesus. John would write in 1 John, he said, that eternal life that was with the Father has now been what? Manifested. Life is Jesus, and Jesus is life. It is he who gives life to every man coming into the world. Jesus. Got that, Mr. Muslim? Jesus, the Son of God. He's the one that made every human. Jesus. And there also was what? And the tree of the knowledge of good and what? Evil. Now the enemy is going to try and capitalize off of this. Because this tree represents two dimensions of life. One represented walking the fine course in which God had laid out for us. Amen? And the other one represents that you are now antithetical. In other words, you now oppose God. And God did not want you to know about both roads. Jesus would later preach on that. Y'all didn't know that, did you? In Matthew chapter 7, he said, broad is the way or road. He said, many will find that one, right? But then narrow is the way that leads to what? To life. What do y'all thought he was talking about? Put the pictures together. They represent the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan makes it wide for you to come that way, don't he? It's called the world. The ways of the world. But the ways of Jesus, he said, many will what? Find it. Why? Because broad is the way on the other side. And, and Satan liked to paint that picture called it's greener on the other side uh, of the road. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we like to kind of go, we, we, we like to gravitate that way. Even Christians every now and then like to look back at that road, look across the street. Boy, I sure remember when we had cucumbers and, oh, y'all remember that one? <laughs> you do remember the Exodus story, right? Okay. I just thought I was messing up. <laughs> and, and so you see, every now and then, when 
times get tough for us, I'm going to keep poking you and you're going to be black and blue. <laughs> Every now and then when life gets rough for us, especially those in the household of faith, instead of looking to the author and finisher of our faith, we like to look back at that road. Well, and who then is calling you? Jesus said, my sheep will not hearken to the voice of a stranger. No, that's right. Uh, hello. I'm trying to get y'all to look at the scriptures here in your mind. But here, God did not want us exposed to this. So he does something what any good father would do. You heard the kids sing the song that he's a good, good what? Father, and yes, he is. And now look, <clears throat> look down in verse 15, if you will. And, and by the way, we got communion today and we're really going to love the heart of God and Lord Jesus. But we got two more hours before we get there because I'm not even finished. Now, 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 now look here. It says in verse 15, Brother David, that then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Okay, he says this twice. You notice he reinstate this. He doesn't want you to forget it. All right? This is God at work, people. He said to do what? To do what? To do what? Ten and what? Keep uh, it. You guys that got the disc praying hands, you ain't working hard enough. <laughs> Ten means that you got to get out and till the ground. You got to do some plucking, you got to do some picking, got to do some caring. You got to work. Okay? From the very beginning, God doesn't like lazy people. Oh, my. Hello. And as the Lord God, by the way of Paul, he said, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't what? He doesn't eat. Ladies, if you got a lazy man, kick him out. I, 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 don't, don't do that. Get it. Get him saved. Amen. Amen. Get him saved. And so it says here, uh, look, look, look what God tells him. And the Lord God commanded the first time we see in scripture, other than doing the creation order. Okay. Cause all the lets that y'all see in Genesis one, those are commands. They're what we call the imperative tense. That means they're non-negotiable. This is one of them. God said now. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Do what? Don't touch that tree. Saying to the man. Of every tree of the garden, you may freely what? Eat. Yeah. All right. Emma, go get your belly full. Eat the mangoes. Eat the plums. Eat the peaches. Eat the oranges, the apples, the grapes, whatever it is. Go have yourself a feast, girl. Yep. But when it comes to this tree. Right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on now. What did God say? But and the smart people in the house, right. shake your head, all of you. Because right. when we hear the word "but," that means God is about to change His what direction with something. Mm -hmm. But okay, and He's not calling you a but either. He's saying but 
But what? Said somebody. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Why? Oh, that's the consequence. But we need to stop here for a moment and take a rest break. As you, as we used to call it in the army, you're gonna rest in place. That means you, it's time you ain't going anywhere, but you're gonna listen. That means we're about to tell you something. Uh, there's something here about this tree that you don't know anything about. And it's something about this tree that if you partake of its fruit, something else is going to happen. And it's going to affect the entire created order. That means things are going to change. And it's not going to be business as usual. Okay? Life is not going to be easy like it used to be, even though you had to work. You don't understand what you're going to be opening up. Okay? Because God is trying to protect his precious humans, whom he had made in his likeness, okay, who he made in his image. What man didn't know, by biting that fruit, it would literally change their image and their likeness of God. That's why he didn't want them bothering it. That's why he gave the prohibition. Don't you dare eat from that tree. Why he put it there? Very simple. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. Amen? And so here we have it. I think the enemy was close enough to hear the consequence. I think the enemy got close enough, Kyle, to hear the entire, the entire command. If he didn't hear it there, he must have heard it when God created the woman, when the man was telling the woman. In either case, the enemy had knowledge of the command. And now, he finally, finally, in his mind's eye, had his inroad in to, to, to exact his revenge against God. Make it plain for you young kids. Satan said, now it's my opportunity to get God. Hmm. Boys and girls, Genesis chapter 3. What you're about to see now is something that you need to understand from the spirit of the living God. You need to understand why God sent Jesus here for each and every one of us. Because when, when that command was violated, what's going to happen is that the security of God will walk away from man temporarily. Even though God's heart was broken. 
God is still God. God is still true. God is still holy and God is still fair. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand this. Your parents tell you all the time, mamas tell kids all the time. I hear my wife telling our kids, even the grandkids when she's in the kitchen cooking, don't touch that stove. Why? Because it's hot. And she's saying, it can what, mama? It can burn you. Okay? God told Adam and Eve, don't you eat from that fruit because it can what? It's kill you. Now, 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 God said, you're going to surely what? Die. Now, I want you to understand this. You need to understand the double meaning of death here. Amen. Amen. One represent a physical separation from something. Okay. It's the word Exodus. The second book in the Bible is that word. The Greek word Exodus means separation or road out. Or another way to put it in the finest definition is to be deceased. Okay. Here God is saying that this kind of death will bring two things to you. It's going to bring you a physical death. Amen. And Kyle, and I believe you're a fancy little student in science. And this is what we call in the fancy science world, the second law of thermodynamics, which is called decay. That means your physical body is going to rot. It's going to break down. And God had told him from dust you came from, dust shall you what? Return the second law of thermodynamics. Those are called half-lives, and each half-life keep breaking down, breaking down by half until you're finally nothing. He'll learn that one day if he already don't know it. I'm sure he does. <laughs> the other one is spiritual separation. Spiritual separation. And we're going to see that in the text. And the enemy knows this because he is spiritually separated from God. Oh, you didn't know that? Satan was dead to God. Why? Because he's eternally separated from the Father, his creator, and the other angels that followed him. Now, Genesis chapter 3 now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. I want to stop there for a second. Why is that word cunning used there? What's another word that can be used there? Deceitful. Deceitful. What's another one? Sly. Sly. Trickery. Okay. Some translations even put wiser. All right. Subtle. Subtle. That means that he had a questionable what? Character. Hmm. Why this species above all others on earth? Did the enemy choose this one? Because he knew that this one was different. He knew that this species on earth was different. Oh, he had just been watching Adam and Eve, folks. This tells us that Satan was also watching the other animals in the garden. 
And then he realized he found a weak link. And he said, that's the one I'm going to use. Why? Because God is a what? Spirit, so are his angels. So Satan was an angel of God, therefore Satan is what? Spirit. And as spirit, Adam and Eve could not what? See him. So, this spirit determined that he would target this species above all the cattle. Amen? And the fowls of the air. I think if an eagle would come squawking down on top, he said, what you doing? But no, he used the slicky boy who may have not been slittering. Hello. And it came in a subtle way. Did you notice this? Look at it. Because he was more crafty, more cunning than all the other creatures that God had created. That means, Maurice, you better have your spiritual eyes open. Why? Because Peter would later write for our adversary like a roaring what? Lying. Walks around roaring and seeking whom he what? May devour. Then I tell you the word adversary is what? Anti-decaucus, anti-righteous. Otherwise, he wants to get you to break God's law so he can oppose you in the court of God. And now, everybody, he's chosen his targets. He also chose which one he would use to approach the human race. Just because it looked good doesn't mean it is good or nice, as you said. So here it is, everybody. Satan has now entered the serpent. And what does he do? He approaches the woman and he said to the woman, has God indeed what? Said. The most powerful weapon on earth is not a nuclear weapon. And I can tell you this from personal experience. I think I know a little bit about them. The most powerful weapon on earth is diplomacy. You know what I mean by that? No. The tongue. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Ideology. Getting people to follow the right idea in their mind's eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. Talk. If you say the right thing to the right person, you can get the most honorable and cherished little girl to violate her mom and dad's rules if you whisper the right words in her ear. If she's not rooted and grounded in Christ. The same thing for the young man. We see it happening all the time. And even older men and middle-aged men and young men, the right wording somehow can get the most law-abiding citizen to do what? Break the law. You go, what in the world were you thinking? I don't know. And what do you think happening here? The devil is now coming with a new ideology, a new idea. 
He has a different rhetoric. He's coming with a different language when that of God. And you're going to see how it's pointed out. And this is how religion, false religion, deceive people and kill them every day. Yeah. They go against the very word of the living God and his Christ. And we sit back because it has a little bit of God in it and may mention Jesus one or two times. We say, oh, he preaching now. Yeah, uh-huh. Is he preaching life or is he preaching death? Which is it? Because it can't be both. Hello, somebody. So what is the devil preaching to, say, uh, to, to, to Eve here? He's preaching what? Death. Why? Because he heard about that command. That the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely... Hello, why did the devil come in the first place? To kill, steal, and to destroy. That's right. All these other answers y'all been getting have not been lining up with the word of God because God had already told us what would happen. Can't you see this? It's clear as day. Satan came here for one purpose only. By killing and destroying the human race, he felt he was getting back at God. And devil worshipers out here have no idea that the enemy doesn't even care about them. He doesn't care about one single human. I don't care how treacherous that person is. Satan does not care. Are you understanding me? And if he can get a preacher to fall, oh boy, that's a big one for him. Why? Because we persuade people, as Paul said, he said, if I can persuade some to believe in Jesus, okay, for Satan, boy, that's a trophy. If especially if you can get a Christian, and don't let it be a young Christian girl of good virtue. Oh boy, he loved to bring them to shame. Hello, little ladies, are y'all hearing me? Uh-huh, Okay. If you can get a Christian girl that got good virtues and you know what I'm talking about, boy, if he can get you to fall. And here he's approaching this woman who has good virtues in the eyes of her heavenly father. Yep, yep. And he's coming with a different ideology, a different doctrine, Kyle, a different, as you would say, religion, Junior. He's coming with a different thought, a different gospel. That's why the Apostle Paul was so adamant about, even if an angel came down with another gospel, let him be a curse. Because they, he knows the results. The result is death. And Bubba and Silas, look at me. You can die a physical death and live again. But if you die a spiritual death, you would never live again. Hallelujah. Can you hear me? That's scary. Yeah. Are you understanding this now? Why did the enemy come to earth? He came for one purpose only, and he come to get you to tell you, do you really have to believe and do what God says? Because that's what's at stake here. He, when he first opened his mouth, he said, did God say? That is an attitude of what? Question. Mm -hmm. 
And that is a personality of rebellion, which the prophet Samuel would call later witchcraft, as he told Saul. Amen? Yeah. And as he goes on, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So that's what ideology does. People with these bad doctrine, these bad belief system, they're coming to plant a seed in you, even though you know the truth. If they can just get one seed in, in you, one bad seed, and that seed begin to germinate and begin to grow and it begin to take a stronghold in you and become a fortress in you. Now he can turn you. Now he can manipulate you. Okay. Now he can deceive you. Instead of Eve speaking up right then and there with the truth, she allowed this conversation to continue what? On. And as it went on, it began to grow so fast within her spirit, she didn't even realize that this lie had taken a root in her. And it's under this lie, the enemy would be able to turn her heart away from God's truth and believe his lie. Are y'all getting this? Because people, this is what at stake. Your eternal destiny with the living God. And when the enemy heard that thou shall surely die, that's exactly what he wanted to happen to Adam and Eve. Because the human race had not yet increased on earth. It had not yet multiplied. And he wanted to cut it off before it happened. Yep. Hmm. Is it a possibility that even the enemy may have heard? Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. There's a possibility that the enemy even heard have dominion over all the earth. Is that a possibility? I'm just throwing something out there. That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> And as we're getting ready to prepare for communion, I want you to understand the ramifications here. I want you to understand the consequences of your decision today not to follow Jesus, the Son of God, because this enemy has persuaded you in different ways, saying, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to live that way. God loves me. Uh, let me tell you, God loved Adam and Eve. If he didn't, he wouldn't have created them. And if he didn't love them, he wouldn't have warned them about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hello, people. If he didn't love, love them, he wouldn't have given them paradise and everything they need in there. This is a loving father. So every person that sinned is under the, uh, uh, Paul said, or John said, is under the sway of the devil. That means we're under his ideology. We're under his teaching. We're under his word, his persuasion. People don't come to Christ because they're being influenced by the evil one. It is nothing new. This is not a new tactic. This is old tactics. And the word of God is teaching us how to combat it, how to get in the trenches and fight him face to face. When the devil came up against Jesus, he said, if thou art the son of God, turn these stones into what? Bread. What it was really saying, since you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. But Jesus know who he is always. And he came back with the truth of God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of who? God. 
So he thought he can deceive, he deceived the first Adam. He thought he could deceive the second one. Yeah. <laughs> but he had no idea that the second Adam was God himself in human flesh. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. So you need to do what the son of God does. In Ephesians chapter five, the apostle Paul tells you and I, he said, emulate God. Otherwise, copy God. You want to be somebody? Be like God in character. Be like God in holiness. Be like God in truth. Okay? If you want to be like God, be like God in love and compassion and humility. Then you will be like God. Y'all want me to go on all day? <laughs> Y'all brought dinner, so we're good. <laughs> I want you to understand, people, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is all over this text. He's in it. And the Father is watching his children. Amen. You are not the first sons and daughters of God that disappointed him. His first son and his first daughter are now standing on the block of life. And their decision have them hanging in the balanced scales of life and death. And they don't even know it. <coughs> Why? Because they were thinking about other things rather than the things of God. Mm -hmm. Let's see what were they thinking about? Because we can use Eve to illustrate the heart of Adam here. Because we see no action from Adam, that means he's in agreement with her. Oh, you men go, oh, oh, but it was the woman. Shut your face. Because you didn't do anything either. Okay? The woman is not the only one to blame here. They both had dominion. And they both had the truth. Just like you and I do today. So the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Yep. I, I, I'm not going to get caught up in the theological argument about the touching part. The fact remains is that she knows she wasn't supposed to bother. Mm -hmm. That's what this is telling me. She knew better. He knew better. You know better. I know better. Stop playing mind games with God and preach the word, teach the word, share the word. Stop being afraid. Because people's very lives are at stake here. On the day of judgment, that serpent will give an account for what he's done. But you don't have to give an account if you listen to Jesus. So, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Uh, brothers and sisters, I'm, I know the, the, the hour's been long, but I got to finish this before we go to communion. Uh, because what's going to come out next, you need, excuse me, you need to hear it. 
And this is not something I planned. I didn't come up with this. The Holy Ghost gave me this driving down 441 the other day. He put it in my spirit to teach it and preach it. You need to know this, what's coming next. Because your very walk with Christ depend on it. Now you understand me? That means you got to hold on to Jesus with everything you got. And if you never trusted him, you got to start trusting him now. So the serpent said to her, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be what? What did he just call God? He called God a liar. Every time people come up with their own way of salvation rather than Jesus, they're calling God a liar. Every time people say, I don't have to go to church to serve God. I don't have to believe everything in the Bible. I don't have to fellowship with y'all. I can believe in God myself. I can worship God all by myself. Lie, 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 lie. Because the church consists of more than one person. If you don't believe me, read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, and we're called the body of Christ. You can't be a body if you want member. You can't. It's impossible. Stop believing in these lies and get yourself in proper fellowship with God's children. Because Jesus is not coming back for a body. He's coming back for his body. The body of Christ. Now, so it's saying, knowing that your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. evil. Yeah. Once again, he just called God a liar. And every time we sin, we're calling God a liar because we're saying to God, your way is wrong and my way is right. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Uh, this is a critical junction for you. Every time we sin, we're telling Jesus, your death is not important. I, I do that too, and I have to fall on my face before the living God and say, Lord, please help me. Forgive me and clean me from this unrighteousness because I know the truth. Okay? We're just about finished, everybody. I'm going into communion. So when the woman saw, and here it is, this is the part you need to know. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for life, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and, and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. People, follow me with your eyes. You remember the part that God said that the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely guess who bit the fruit first? Eve did. And guess who's standing back watching? And he's looking and Eve didn't what? Hello, Eve didn't what? She did not die. So what did that do in his mind? 
That who's now right? The serpent or? Because Eve is not what? But she's what? Alive. So he took and that's why spiritual death is so tricky for ungodly people to understand. And even at times for God's own people. Because it is something, Junior, that you cannot see with the naked eye. When God says over in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, he said, The soul that sinneth shall surely die. That means you're going to be eternally separated from God. That's what this represents. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to stop that. They put it to a screeching halt so that you and I can have a life eternal with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. Stop being deceived. Are you hearing me? People, please, I plead with you by the mercies of God, hear this truth. Satan doesn't care about you. The people that got you running away from God and believing and holding on to this world doesn't care about you. And interesting, I told Deacon Clinton, I said, I found this card outside over there by the old Bank of America, and it has a hearse on the front. And I thought maybe it was from an undertaker until I picked it up and read it. And boy, how applicable it is to the message today. Listen what it says. You may tie your shoe strings in the morning, but the undertaker may untie them before night. Are you ready to meet your maker? If you die and go to hell, who cares? Wow. Answer. Number one, John 3.16, God cares. Number two, Matthew 18.11, Jesus cares. Number three, Luke 15.7, all people in heaven cares. That means the angels are doing what in heaven? They're rejoicing. Number four, Revelation 22.17, all saved people care. Number five, Luke 16, 19, verses 31. All people in hell care. And just in case you don't know that one, that's the, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man said, Father Abraham, send, send Moses back to, I mean, not Moses, send me back to my people so I can warn my brother. Hmm. So that do not come here to these flames, for I am being tormented in these flames. So the rich man in hell realized that hell is a living reality. <coughs> and finally, Romans, number six is Romans chapter one, verse 16. Who know that one? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto what? Salvation to all who believe. Beginning first with the Jew, 
And then the Greek, or properly translated, should have been Gentiles. So you see, now, friend, the most important question is, do you care? I didn't realize how powerful this card was. Because I'm seeing a picture of a person going, somebody trying to advertise some funeral stuff. I don't need to be seeing death, but actually it's talking about life. So, as we prepare our hearts for communion, it's a very serious thing what Satan had did. But the adversary of God had done to the human race. And one final thought on that. Remember, the enemy of God didn't have a place to call his own. What happened when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit? The answer not only is that they became eternally separated from God spiritually and that God had to kill the animals to show that God was doing what? Redeeming them. Right? You remember Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by Satan? Well, on Luke's account, when Luke gave that account, you remember the part where he takes him up on this high place and he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world? Y'all remember reading that? Oh, y'all some good folks. Do you recall what Satan's statement was to Jesus? Satan's statement to Jesus was, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give all these to you. But then he turned around and said something that the other gospel accounts didn't tell us. Luke records that Satan said, for they have been given to me. What he should have said, he stole them. He stole dominion from Adam and Eve. He is the rightful ruler of this world. Jesus himself said that. Now the ruler of this world is what? Judged. Oh, y'all see that come together now? Mmm. But Jesus said through the prophet Hosea, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge in me, said the Lord. You got to know the word of God, people. And you got to know that Satan, not only has he targeted our parents, Adam and Eve, but he has also targeted us. And it's not going to let up until Jesus casts his butt into the lake of fire. Amen? Amen. So, when God was talking to the serpent, he told that serpent that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he said, the seed of the woman or a descendant of the woman, that's another way to translate it, will crush your head. Although God said, I'm going to exact my revenge on you. And I'm going to do it by a human. The very one you came to destroy, I'm going to use to destroy you.
But what God didn't tell him was that human would be God's son. God kept a secret weapon until he revealed him. Amen? Amen. And he said, but you were bruised as hell. The cross. But he will crush your head. The resurrection. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I'll tell you, I look at this thing and go, wow! All that was figured out during that council meeting in heaven before the Father created up. Boy, who can mess with the mind of God? He is something else. Amen? Amen. So have you all had this before like this? I told you the Lord has something in store for you. And so, so does he still have something in store for you. Communion. Fellowship at the Lord's table. But there's a warning that Paul told the church in Corinth. Here's that warning. He said, I would not, brothers, for you to have fellowship with God and demons. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? What does that mean? He said, you can't come to God's table at the same time you're eating at the devil's table. So we got to be like what Joshua told the children of Israel before they occupied the promised land. Solely. He said, this day choose who you're going to serve. For me and my house, we're going to serve who? The Lord. And many hundreds of years later, the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel would challenge the people of Israel. And he would say to them, how long will you be caught between two opinions? How long? Somebody that need to hear this today. Are you going to live for the world, which represent Baal? If Baal is God, then you stay with Baal. You serve him. But if God is God, then you serve him. And of course, we know the rest of the story. The false prophet of Baal couldn't make the sacrifice go away. But the man of God calling on the living God did. And the people of God fell on their faces. Why? Because once again, it had been demonstrated to them that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is God. the Lord Jesus Christ on the night in which he was betrayed demonstrated this fact also by sharing his body to be beaten to be broken for you and for me and for his blood to be spilled to save you and to save me because we was under a curse. When Adam and Eve bit 
and ate the forbidden fruit that brought us under a curse. And Paul would tell us in his writings in multiple places that Jesus came to redeem us from the curse. That is to save us, to buy us back. Redeem means to buy back. Y'all remember the S&M green stamps? Oh, I know you do. Look at him sitting there shaking his head how many times he traded them. You were redeeming stamps for a prize. God's son gave his blood and we was the prize. Okay? So today, if you never accepted God's son, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior, now's the time. The price is too high. The price is too high. Jesus loves you. You know what the enemy of God had done that day in the garden. He's going to get him for it. His day is coming. It's sealed. As the psalmist said, O Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven. That means it is done in heaven. Satan is going to eternal punishment. But you don't have to. Kyle, will you come up, please? I got Deacon Clinton. I'm going to have Deacon uh, Amelia, but he's in Michigan right now with his family, so we'll use uh, in our version, you will be a deacon to us. Okay? And we honor you for that. And so, every head bowed, I want to give you the opportunity to do something here for God. I want you to talk to Jesus for a moment. And I want you to tell him as you reflect upon the word of God from today, what God had done for you and I by Jesus, by defeating God's enemy, Satan, and to purchase us back with his own blood, not only to save us from our sin, but to bring us into the eternal family of God. If you've never made that choice, that conscious decision to accept God's Son as your Lord and Savior, now is that moment. It's not just a prayer of salvation, folks. God, don't play that. This is your life-changing event where you, by the Spirit of the living God, will help you enter into the arms of Christ where Jesus himself will receive you and accept you as his son and his daughter forever. And at that moment, God's spirit will enter you and you will be eternally sealed as a son and daughter of the most high God. And your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And there on the day and when Jesus come back again, your name will be called in that role. You will be forever a child of God. And the Spirit of God will be with you now and forevermore, filling your heart with the love of God. And so we're asking you now, collectively as the bite of Christ here,
not seeing any distinction between one congregation and the other, but one body. We're asking you now, if you have never made this decision to follow Christ, to surrender your life over to Jesus forever, because it's not just a day. That means from now until the day that God calls you from this world, you belong to Jesus and you will live for him. As I pray, will you, will you make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus right now, knowing that God had him die for your sins and that on the third day, God raised him from the dead and that Jesus has now brought you into the eternal family of God called the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the living word that you brought forth today. Understanding what you and Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit did when you created us, you also knew that on that day, sometime in the future, that our father Adam and Eve and our parents there would sin against you. Lord, but you had a plan in place to redeem us. Lord, someone here today, Jesus, is struggling. Struggling to release themselves from the way of this world and to unconditionally surrender his or her life to you. But Lord, you're just asking them to take the first step. You've already done everything else. They just have to trust you. I'm praying now by your spirit, help that one now make that decision to follow you. And with every head bowed, is there anyone here who's making that declaration, that decision to follow Jesus? If you are, will you raise your hand? Okay. That's one hand. I will say to you now, as you're with every head bowed, no one looking around, because this is a precious moment to God, I'm saying to that person, will you say to Jesus, I, and give him your name in your heart, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against God, and I know that God sent you to die on the cross for my sin, and I know that you're his son. And then on the third day, God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I submit my life to you forever. And I submit to you, Lord Jesus, that I will learn of you and Father in your word. I will fellowship with you in prayer. And I will worship you and praise you in fellowship with other believers. And I will join a fellowship of believers as your spirit leads and guides me. Now, Father, we're praying for that one that made the decision. And we're asking them now to make a public profession of faith to come forth and say, it is I who made that decision to follow Christ. And for all others, Lord, who may be struggling to buy your spirit now, when you help them to release and say to you, Lord, that I completely surrender my life to you also, Jesus, even though you're my Lord and Savior, I've been holding back. Forgive me for my sins and make me whiter than snow. In your precious name we pray. Amen.